Welcome back to the Sporty Max Podcast. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. The Missing Link will help you or your business connect with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Find them at tmlthemissinglink.com.au. Here is your host, Max Becker. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max, where today we are joined by Melbourne United and Hoop City part owner, Mark Bisby. Welcome to the podcast, Biz. How are you going at the moment? Good, thanks, Mac. Max, hope you're well. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, tell me about your childhood and growing up as a kid. Uh, well, I grew up in, in Werribee in the west of Melbourne, and um, had a, I've got a twin brother, David, who... Um, was my sporting nemesis growing up. We had a lot of battles <laughs> in the backyard as as boys do, but uh, I had a younger sister, I've got a younger sister as well. And um, growing up, didn't have a lot of money and um, dad was working a lot. So our sporting hero was my mum actually. So we took, um, we followed in my mum's steps. She played basketball a bit. And my brother and I started when we were about 11, I think it was. And yeah, quickly um, got older and made a few rep teams and things like that. So yeah, it was, that was our childhood. Talk to me about your school life uh, at an early age and then as you progress through school and into university. Well, school school was a bit of a, um, a second priority for me. I, I thought I was going to be the next Michael Jordan and um, <laughs> didn't really concentrate too much at school. So basketball was my life. And um, towards the end of my high school career, I um, had to make a decision whether I kept training every night. and, and Yeah. Or doing homework, and I, I, I picked the first, and I should have picked the latter. But um, got a bit of a love-hate relationship with basketball at that stage. I thought, geez, I've spent a lot of time training and, and not really getting anywhere. So um, gave it up when I was nineteen and, and started. Um, well, I started my apprenticeship when I was eighteen, and yeah. by the time I was twenty-four, I'd started my own business. So that was um, basketball. Sort of took a backward step towards a, a proper career. So uh, high school was. Not much to remember for me. <laughs> so how did you make the transition from being on the tools and to, into owning your electrical own electrical company? Um, with anything, it was more necessity. So the, the, the busier we got, the more people we put on and the more management was needed. And as you sort of think back to, um, to, to high school and worrying about basketball rather than, than results at school you sort of think geez I wish I'd listen more at school so I could be a better leader but it was actually the sport that, that gave me the skills to become a leader in, in the business so um, we sort of ran the business in the early days as, as like a sporting team you know we had a, a captain rather than a, than a manager yeah. we had we had um, players that, that went out and did the work so uh, we grew really quickly we got um, really big early um, a few things we had to trim back and and, and fine-tune but now we've Got about a hundred and something guys working for us, and wow. um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's doing well. You've been the managing director at Dynamic Technology Solutions now for nearly twenty years. What has the entire ride uh, so far been like for you? Um, mostly ups, not not so much downs, but um, certainly uh, a big a big learning experience. So le- learn something new every day in this in this field, um, technology advances quicker than you can you read about it so we try to keep ahead of everything and, and try and keep um, on top of the game employment wise and, and also in technology wise so we've got um, electricians and plumbers that do the works and, and we try to keep them as uh, engaged as we can so uh, very much a, a HR role for me these days in terms of getting everyone 
moving towards the right goal. So, so what's that like for you to try and stay on top of everything and like sort of electrical wise and plumbing wise and then also technology wise? Well, it's um, reading a lot of stuff at 11 o'clock at night and yeah. trying to get to sleep, <laughs> but knowing you have to read something else and, and trying to yeah just keep in touch with the information that's lying around there. And, you know, the consumer these days is very informed. So it used to be we'd um, help tell someone what, what was required and how we'd do it. Now they're mm-hmm. telling us. So so uh, we've got to try and look like we know what we're doing and, and uh, be as informed as the consumer these days. So. You've had an amazing career and merged our business and sport. We'll chat soon about Melbourne United and Hoop City. But first, I want to find out why you're so passionate about uh, the business side of sports and particularly basketball. Well, obviously, obviously growing up, basketball was, um, well, my life, to, to be honest. That's all I thought about. All I mm-hmm. woke up every day thinking about when the next game was, when the next training session was. And um, as I said, I had a love-hate relationship in my 20s. I, didn't you could have thrown a basketball at me and I would have kicked it away. I, I didn't really uh, enjoy it that much. Um, and probably in my 30s, I sort of got back into a sports sort of mode, realizing how, yeah. how valuable the lessons were, even as a young player, uh, in terms of leadership and, and working with someone else, so working with other people. So, um, yeah, that, that transition back into sports, uh, you know, we'd had an opportunity come up the last or three years ago with, with United that we could grab 10% of, of the business. And mm-hmm. we thought, well, you know, basketball is on such a big resurgence, thanks to um, Larry Kesselman's team that, you know, we've got to yep. get on board. So um, yeah, there's two extremes in sports and that is you, you either get a board that has a lot of basketball knowledge and not a lot of business knowledge. And they're great for winning games and not great for keeping the business running. And, and the other aspect is you, you get a lot of business people that might not know the game and they might not win a lot of games, but um, they'll certainly won't have a team in a few years. So it's trying to get that right mix of, of business people and basketball people. And hopefully we ticked a couple of the boxes when, when Larry agreed to sell us some shares. So how did you come to be involved with Melbourne United? And can you tell me how that all sort of came about? Well, I'm in business with three other guys who um, the four of us grew up playing basketball together. Three of us lived a street away from each other and, and one one of us um, grew up in Melton, but played at Werribee. So mm-hmm. uh, we've known each other a long time. Uh, a couple of those guys went on a, uh, a March Madness tour in, in the States watching college basketball with a couple of guys. And one of the guys that they went with worked at the NBL. And um, as you do after a few beers, you, you talk a lot of crap. And uh, <laughs> they were trying to um, talk the guy from the NBL into letting letting us um, start a Geelong Supercats team again. Well, mm-hmm. a Geelong license anyway. And... Um, that was sort of shrugged off and laughed off. But a few months later, that, that same guy from the NBL gave us a call and said, look, you know, there might be an opportunity where you can, you can buy into United. So um, had a lunch meeting with the CEO and two days later we had the paperwork on our desk. So uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but an unenjoyable one. Now I've been following along with your new venture in Hoop City. What's it all about? Um, it's about skills, it's about basketball skills and, um, we realised that there's a shortage of venues in, in Victoria, just in, in, in basketball courts as such. And while we don't want to, we didn't want to build um, another court, just a general court. We thought, mm-hmm. let's um, look at what we need for for a skills progression point of view. So um, we've seen a few things in, the, in America that have been set up over there, and we thought we could replicate that here. And and um, 
it's not necessarily a court for playing games on. It's it's a venue that you can go and work on your shot or work on your dribbling and work on those extra things that, that make people a better basketballer. And, you know, the, the hours away from the court as such are, are just as critical as, you know, training or, or playing games. Mm-hmm. So we hope to provide that experience to anyone from a, you know, 12-year-old kid starting out or, a, you know, a 32-year-old professional player who, you know, might not get a court availability so they can come... Yep. like a gym membership and spend 20 minutes on one of our machines and get up three, 400 shots and, and work on their, their game that way. So that's the idea behind it. What's your aim with Hoop City? Our long-term aim is to, to let more people access our facilities. So whether that means, you know, building a bigger facility or, or mm-hmm. more facilities, we hope to be in a few, few states in the next couple of years. So we have grand plans for expansion, but certainly... Uh, we want people to use it. That's the main aim is to have people in there putting shots up. I've seen you've had the man CG43, Chris Golding, uh, on board with Hoop City. What does this mean for Hoop City for having someone um, of his experience and calibre of player involved? Well, um, in Chris's defence, he's, um, he's part of the program. He's been the part of the program since day one. So mm-hmm. um, he, he's invaluable in terms of what he brings. He's easily one of the best shooters um, Australia's ever produced. Yeah. Um, and we'll have, you know, not just CG and not taking it away from him, but we'll have, you know, coaches of the same calibre, if not better, mm-hmm. that will be involved in setting up programs and, and, and helping with delivering the skills to the people that, that come and use the facility. But, yeah. but CG's been great. He's, um, I saw him in there the other day and I think he made something like 43 pointers in a row. And, <laughs> and you, you, you can't, you can't sort of buy that. He's, He's got his um, his his trade down pat, and hopefully, you know, he he can come in and, and work on his game as well. So, what are your thoughts on Melbourne United's chances this year to take home the championship? Well, I'm I'm very I'm very bullish. I think we've got a very good chance. We've um we run a roster that you know has has players in every position ten deep. So, mm-hmm. um, in, in an abbreviated season like we've got, in terms of how how you know, unpredictable it is in terms of scheduling. We've got players that can play every night, all night. So um, uh, I'm confident, quietly confident. Not as confident as Jock Lando, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully his prediction comes true. Who do you think from your perspective are the danger teams in the league this year? Uh, every single one. Every single team in the NBL is, is, um, is ready to play. And, you know, I think... On any given night, anyone can beat anyone. And, and that's the sort of the beauty of our league is that, you know, mm-hmm. we don't have teams that are easy beats. We don't have um, organisations that, you know, sort of have to be carried. Everyone's a, a threat in this league. So, um, you know, that's a credit to the NBL really. Like I'm sure Larry could expand out to have 20 yeah. teams, but we wouldn't see the calibre of games that we're getting now and certainly would have the profile internationally that we do. So um, it's growing as it needs to which is good. So what's it like for you to watch um, the Illawarra Hawks sort of making a comeback season and in the finals, in the top four at the moment uh, with Gorge as their coach, then guys like uh, Justinian, Justinian Yusup and uh, Justin Simon? Oh, it's great to watch. And look, our product that we're putting out, you know, just not just Illawarra, but you know, it's world-class. And there's mm-hmm. no doubt that, that there's guys on that roster will, that will be in the NBA next you know, couple of seasons and we'll look back and say, well, you know, they started at Illawarra. Look, look at the Mellow Ball. Um, we always knew he was going to go, but certainly the awareness of, of players like Justinian and, and those guys 
is higher now that Lamelo's been and and, mm-hmm. and gone and and credit all credit to Illawarra they've you know started from you know a long way back and have come a long way and, and that's Dory's done a great job there too. What's it like for you with um, having guys like Scotty Hobson and uh, Jock Landau, like you mentioned before, coming to United? Well, it's good. It's um, you know, two or three years ago, you might have had someone like Scotty turn up and, and get all the media and, and get all the, yeah. the opportunities on, on the offensive end. But, you know, he has to work for his shots too. And, and he knows that. And he's a, he's a true professional. So um, he's, he's starting a fair way behind the rest of the crew too. He, he only arrived yeah. you know, maybe a month ago and everyone else had been training for a few months. So, so, but he's putting in work. I, I know for a fact he's doing extras to get to get back in touch, and, and I'm sure that you know once he gets firing, it's going to be lookout league. So we've had Mason Pentling on the podcast, and he said that the only way to stop Jock Landau from scoring is to double team him. So, what's your what's your perspective on that? Do you agree with him? Oh, well, I hope other teams double team him because um, I think uh, CG will knock down a few shots, and Scotty Hobson will, will certainly benefit from having a you know. A defensive player sag off him and go and play on Jock. So mm-hmm. we've got we've got a lot of weapons on our team, and and we saw it the other night with Jack White and, and mm-hmm. Shay Illy getting you know the points they poured it in. So on any given night, I think um, our team can can produce scores like that and and dominate. So what would be your advice to anyone trying uh, to have a successful business career like yourself? Uh, listen to your people and trust them. Um, no one can do. Uh, no one can conquer the world on their own. They, they need people to help them. And whether that's a, a parent with a, a good ear or, you know, an employee that is passionate about your business, I think you, mm-hmm. you need to really trust your people and, and, and engage with them and, and let them take ownership in the business too. So um, we've I've said it here, we've got, you know, 96 leaders of this business. We don't have just myself. So um, if you can engage with your people and, and let them, you know, run it like it's theirs, I think you, you, yeah. you're kicking goals. Thanks, Mark, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and United and their chances for this year. It's been um, a pleasure to have you put aside some of your time um, to come on today and have a chat. Yeah, thanks, Max, and look forward to seeing a few more podcasts from yourself. Stay, thanks, Mark. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes and follow and subscribe to our channel on Instagram and YouTube. This episode was brought to you by The Missing Link.